Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode of the Single Tracks podcast is sponsored by Steo. Steo makes functional mountain lifestyle apparel for both the epic and everyday moments in life. Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Leah is joining me to talk about women's mountain bikes. Mountain bikers come in all shapes and sizes, so it's no surprise that some bikes fit riders better than others. With more and more women taking up the sport, demand for bikes that fit these riders is heating up. Today we're talking about women's bikes, but really we're talking about bikes that just fit for the average woman or even a shorter than average man. So Leah is the founder of Single Tracks, for those who don't know, and over the past year, she's been investigating mountain bikes with compact geometry to see how different brands are approaching this market. So Leah, what exactly makes a bike a women's bike? This is kind of a controversial topic, isn't it? He, yeah, it, it definitely is, depending on, on who you ask, depending on how long you've been in the industry. And maybe even how long you can hold a grudge about it. It can be controversial. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, anytime you label something with a gender, calling it out as, you know, for women, um, it can feel exclusive and, you know, maybe exclusive in a negative way. Um, I started riding mountain bikes before there were any of these, you know, women's specific bikes, women's designs. And and when the early women's designs came out, I I think I remember, you know, in the 2000s, Trek had like a women's specific designed bike. Um, There were a lot of offerings that were just, you know, small in size, and they had these entry level components on them. Oh, and they were pretty much all pink. So, um, (laughs) you know, you can, you know, now today in 2018, you can see, you hopefully understand that like not all women are into pink stuff or they're not all beginners and they're not all small. So. Yeah. It's just like all men. Like, like if somebody just decided like orange is a men's color, so we're going to make every mountain bike orange, like that just doesn't <laughs> make sense. Right. It's, and you know, and it kind of goes beyond the color too. Um, but you know, for a while, like labeling things for women or pink um, kind of pigeonholing us into a corner, it kind of felt like the industry didn't really take us women seriously, right? They didn't kind of put the money behind some of those higher end specs or components. And they kind of just, you know, like the saying goes, the bikes were, they shrink it and pink it. And that's kind of how it came off back in the earlier days. A lot of women may need smaller bikes. Um, because, you know, in general, the average woman, you know, I'm, I'm Showing my air quotes here, you probably can't see that. <laughs> probably not. Um, but the average woman may be smaller, um, but women, you know, come in all different shapes and sizes and proportions, just just like men. And we want, you know, the same things that men do from the industry, right? We want a bike that fits our body, it fits our riding style, and you know, maybe even our personal style. Maybe we want that orange bike. So like most other things in the industry, we, we've really evolved, I think, um, really come a long way from those 
early designs and women have a lot more to choose from, including including some women's specific brands. Yeah, it's interesting too that, um, like you said, a long time ago, there weren't women's specific bikes. And then some companies started designing them and marketing certain bikes as women's specific. Um, but then you look at a lot of the brands today, not every brand makes a women's specific bike. It seems like there's different approaches. You know, some just are trying to make smaller, lighter bikes and they're not calling it a women's bike. They're just saying like, this is a small bike. Whereas other companies are really calling it out, even, you know, coming up with like a sub brand that's like, I don't know, more approachable or right. something they're, for they're women. sister brands. Yeah. So yeah. So th- it's like, there still isn't even a consensus on the best way to approach this. Um, so you're seeing, yeah, you're seeing different approaches. Yeah, so there there are, you know, some, a couple of brands that are really women-specific brands, and that kind of goes beyond um, just the bike itself. And, you know, we can talk about that a little bit later, but, you know, let's just say if you were to walk into a bike shop and all the bikes were one color, they were orange, let's just go with orange. Aaron would love that. <laughs> yes, and so really the only key differentiators of today's, like, women's models are going to be found... Uh, and first in like the touch points, right? Obviously a women specific saddle. Um, so I think this is like inarguably a truth, right? Like we have, women have wider hips, right? So that means our sit bones are going to be a little bit wider. That means we're probably going to want a little bit wider saddle to be comfortable. Yeah. Well, and all of this too, you know, we say things like women have wider hips we're really saying on average, like we're, we're dropping the on average, but you know, certainly there are women who have narrower hips than a man out there or whatever. So we're talking about the average. We're not talking about every single woman has wider hips than every single man. Um, again, just, (laughs) just trying to head off any like negative or argumentative comments. Right. And then also, you know, on average, maybe women have smaller hands. And so, a lot of bikes, the women's models will come specced with a smaller diameter grip. Um, you know, that may or may not be a feature that is important, right? Because again, a lot of women have larger or medium sized hands too. So, you know, the great thing is, is you can get grips in different sizes, like a lot of bikes today. I mean, you could pretty much customize anything. This reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where he dated man hands. <laughs> Again, like stereotyping. Yeah, men That's have bigger right. hands than women Those on average. Freakishly large yeah, hands. It's, it's funny. We can laugh about this we stuff. Can, it's we not, can. It's not super serious. We don't have to be super oh, PC yeah. here. And you know, I, I can open my own pickle jar. Thank you very yes. much. Yes. So. <laughs> All right. And so the other things that kind of go into those women's models are um, maybe modified components like a shorter crank arm. Right. So if you're that average shorter woman, maybe your legs are a little bit shorter and you want to have a proportionately correct crank arm. Right. So you can get them in maybe 165 millimeter or 170 millimeter width as opposed to I guess the standard is what 175. Jeff is that probably right for. Yeah I always forget. Yeah I think 175 is standard to longish. Um, And another one I don't know if you're going to mention it uh, like brake levers for example too. If you have um, smaller hands it's going to be harder to reach the levers. So um, there are obviously um, 
brakes out there that are adjustable. You can adjust uh, how far out the levers are. So again, that's a helpful thing for smaller riders. Yeah. And that definitely, you know, I did not realize that for a long time. So I have, I mean, I'm waving my hands again and air you guys can't see, but I have, you know, kind of smallish hands. Um, and so I, when I started mountain biking, I did the weird two finger grip because well, your middle finger your middle is the longest. A little longer, and, yeah. and that's how, like, this was back before I knew you could, um, or they even made levers that you could adjust. But yeah. I think um, SRAM makes there are levers like that now, highly adjustable and, but you know, I still do the two finger weird grip because I, that's just how I learned. Yeah. Hayes too. I think, um, they've always done a good job of making the, uh, is it the throw? I think it's, is it called the throw that you can adjust on the brake lever? Awesome. I guess it's the throw. I'd have to go back. The throw is something, I'm, I, <laughs> but I think that's what it is. All right. And then let's see what else on components. Oh, the um, bars, right? So everyone runs their bars pretty wide, but and I think most bikes will come with bars that are, I don't know, up to 800 millimeter. That, yeah, that's it depends way... on the type. So yeah, if it's an aggressive like enduro or downhill bike, it's going to be 800 in a lot of cases. And then yeah, it goes down to 740 now for cross country. But yeah, for Riders with shorter arms, uh, that, that can be a challenge. Right, definitely. So some brands um, that have women-specific models will, will trim even those widest bars just, just a little bit. And then, of course, you can trim them even more if you, um, you know, need something a little less than the, than the 740, which, you know, I'm pretty close to that being my max. Mm-hmm. All right. Also, you know, one of the last components I think is I want to mention that's actually really important. I think this is kind of a newer trend in the the industry just within the last couple of years is, you know, women, you know, on average, we're lighter than men, right? Like I'm a five foot tall woman and I weigh like 105 pounds. And, you know, when I go and try to get the most out of my shock, you know, my front suspension, like it's, I gotta use all my weight. And sometimes with the bigger bikes now, they're making them in longer travel. I can't get the full range out of it. So what I love are there's a lot of brands out there that are specking their bikes with a lighter tune um, shock. And it makes, it makes a really, really, really big difference. Because I remember when we didn't used to have this, I would try to re- try to be the fork reviewer for single checks. And that just did not <laughs> right. go well. Yeah, we went I through a few couldn't couldn't get it right and so finally i think it i think it's a pretty straightforward modification um not something that you necessarily want to diy at home but i think essentially um the brands will take a volume spacer out out or yeah. add one in or yeah add one in i mean a lot of them like you said if you buy a women's specific bike or a lot of times a smaller frame uh the shock the suspension will already have that tuning in it um, but if you, let's say you upgrade your fork or, you know, you bought like a men's bike, but you're a really lightweight rider, um, you can send that component in to Fox or even there are a lot of independent suspension tuners out there. You can send it into them, give them your weight and sort of your ride characteristics, and then they can tune it. Uh, we actually had an article about the Fox factory tune program where they do this and they do a lot of testing with 
lighter weight riders to figure out like what are the settings that they like, what works best for them. And then they're able to, you know, share that with other people. So, yeah. And this is, you know, to your point, this is something that, you know, lighter riders. And I think we're talking about, you know, the up to, you know, from a hundred pounds to 125, 130 pound range, probably right around there, you're probably going to want to take advantage of this because it's, it's really going to change how your bike rides, how that fork is intended to work. Yeah. And that's a big difference. I mean, you're talking about a hundred pound rider for you versus, you know, I would guess the average man is closer to 200 pounds. So that's, <laughs> that's twice as much weight on the frame, on the suspension components. And clearly there needs to be a little bit different approach to the design of all those pieces just based on, just based on the weight. So yeah, you talked about the components and that's obviously the really important part, but another part of this is sort of the design and the marketing. And this is the part, I guess, where some brands get in trouble or where there's some controversy, you know, where where women are saying, Hey, we don't all like pink or it's condescending to say that this is a women's bike. Um, which I get because for men, there are a lot of different choices out there on the market and there are some women who want a women's specific bike. And then there are some who don't. And fortunately there are choices. Um, and again, it just comes down to the marketing. It's just like a lot of brands too. You know, if you think about, um, I don't know, evil, for example, or YT, you know, those brands have these like really aggressive, like, I don't know, almost like scary, kind of like <laughs> personas yes, and, and what's it's with that go with the horns. It yeah. really kind of freaks me really I dark. Mean, that's yeah. gotta be freaky for men too. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's what I'm saying though. But some men really like that. You know, they think that that's cool. Whereas other men are more interested in say the image of like a specialized or something where it's like really performance and like race oriented and, you know, sleek and clean. Um, so yeah, it's the same way with women's bikes. Some women like, bikes that are you know girly i guess for lack of a better term oh my term. gosh i know you did not just i said girly. it well i'm saying like right, the in design old-fashioned traditional way right right like some not- some people do and that's fine and then other people don't they just want a, a black bike and like that's their style so what i'm trying to say is all men have different styles just like all women have different styles and so we all pick our bike brand to some degree based on like where we feel a connection, you know? Um, Right. I mean, and that's, you know, obvious with all the different choices of mountain bikes that there are today. Right. Like, I mean, some bikes are a little flashier than others. And, you know, if I go back into that bike store where we're just looking at orange bikes, you know, I may completely be turned off, but I may just really want to, buy a bike and not even care there's a lot of people that don't even care what color it is and and they're all about the like well these are the best specs and the best i can get for my money and there's you know there's nothing wrong yeah with that either people tell themselves that but i don't believe it <laughs> I, I really i mean i guess if you you're just starting out and you don't know these brands and you you don't understand that but if you follow this you know there are brands that you're like oh that's cool and other brands that you're like that's not cool and so I feel like that is a big part and people, yeah, people want to say like, oh, I'm, I'm completely rational when it comes to like my bike choice. <laughs> like it's got to have this number and that number and that does play into it, but that's not the whole picture at all. So again, it's, you know, this stuff is based on research too. It's not like 
somebody just decided like, Hey, well, you know, it's a women's bike. So we're gonna make it pink. Like they've done this for a while and they figured out like, yes, some people buy pink bikes. So let's make pink ones and, you know, turquoise and purple and stuff. And then other brands are like, yeah, you know, we've had success with black bikes for women. And so, yeah, it all works out. I think it's a free market. I'm a big believer in free market dynamics. Oh, yes. And now I didn't really mention geometry on on these women's models because there's really only one brand um, that I know of that designs their bikes around a women's specific geometry, and that's Live. Um, so Live is a brand dedicated to women cycling, you know, road and mountain. They've done a lot of research on women's body dimensions and movement patterns to come up with women's specific geometry. So here's Liz Walker. She's Liv's demo truck driver, and she breaks down that design philosophy. We uh, have a design philosophy called 3F, uh, and that stands for fit, form, and function. Uh, one, uh, as far as fit, we uh, build the bikes from the ground up uh, around female body geometry, muscular strength, and marrying those two muscular activity. Uh, we also, um, as far as form, we like the bikes to look nice. So we have different colors and graphics, uh, and we really spend a lot of time uh, researching the marketplace, uh, getting feedback from people on the ground like myself uh, and from the folks riding the bikes to, to find out what it is that they like and what they want their bike to look like. We want to offer the woman a full package of a bike that she likes to ride uh, as well as one that looks nice. Uh, and then for function, we, we want to build bikes that um, have uh, a particular place. Can you ride the hail, which is our enduro bike, anywhere? Sure. But it's going to be happiest on that steep and technical downhill terrain. Could you ride the uh, peak, which is our cross-country trail bike, at a bike park? Maybe, but it's not the right tool for the job. So we're offering uh, a full spectrum of tools for different riding jobs, um, making them look good and making them fit riders well. Cool. So Leah, you've been mountain biking for a long time and you've ridden a lot of bikes over the years. So what do you look for when you're shopping for a mountain bike for yourself? And again, keeping in mind that you are just one woman and all women are different, but this is your sort of philosophy about shopping for a bike and again it's it's your personal one it's not for every woman right yeah and again you know the other reminder i'm a woman but i'm also small so i've always like to keep my eye out on what would fit me because i'm small and i'm also selfish i guess so <laughs> um well obviously the first thing to consider is fit so i used to be able to rule out you know about 75 percent of the bikes on the market because they weren't my size we used to not have these teeny tiny bikes um in size extra small now which is you know the bike that i'm kind of looking for you mean you ruled out 75 percent of the basically the models yeah, or the brands. yeah not like, just, just the size not just like fit, I can't. Right? not just like downhill bikes because i don't like downhill bikes because there weren't even downhill bikes that would fit me if i wanted to to yeah. do that um over the years and so you know now again we've come kind of a long way there's a bike for everyone for every purpose <laughs> for every size pretty much and, and you know that if you've been bike shopping if you've been into a bike shop and just seen the amount of um, brands and variety out there. So the key measurement to start with really, you know, if you're small in particular are the standover and the reach. So the standover, right. All you're going to need to do is just, you have to know your inseam length and make sure it's, um, greater than that standover number. So you have a little bit of clearance on the 
the top tube. Um, that should really need no explanation. But, you know, some brands offer like an extra small or an extra, extra small frame that can fit riders that are, you know, as as tall as or as short as, you know, four foot ten, maybe four foot nine even, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we're talking about, you know, kids and juniors now getting getting them on these bikes that have a 27.5 wheel or, or even 29. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess, too, the growth in high school mountain biking with Nika uh, is just providing a bigger market for these bikes that are smaller. And one thing that I'll mention about Standover is that um, it's it's obviously just because you can stand over a bike doesn't mean it's the right size for you. A lot of bikes these days do have really low standover height. And so, you know, you may be able to stand over a medium or even a large, but your actual size is going to be a small or an extra small. So standover height. Yeah. It's just kind of just the start. Right. Yeah. You definitely want to have some minimum clearance there because right as the bikes get bigger and it's too big for you, it's, it's obviously going to be a lot harder to handle um so then there's reach right so that's basically like the distance that your arms are extending when you're standing out of the saddle right so when we're mountain biking we're not just like sitting and cruising around there's a lot of being out of the saddle you know hands on those handlebars and with the reach you've got a little wiggle room here because you know depending on your ride style um you know you can change to maybe a slightly shorter or longer stem than than whatever comes spec on a bike. Yeah, so what about components? We talked a little about that in the beginning uh, in terms of like crank arm length and shock. What are the things that you look for personally when you're looking at a new bike? Right, so yeah, there's those crank arms um, because I'm, you know, I, I'm five feet tall. I, I don't like those super long cranks. It just, it doesn't make sense for me, for my size. So, you know, oftentimes this may be something you have to, to swap out, um, and yeah. try. You, I mean, you shouldn't have to in this day and age, especially with a lot of the online companies. And that's part of the advantage that they have over, uh, some of the more traditional models where you can actually spec the components a little more granularly before you order the bike. Cause that is, that is bogus. Like if you buy a brand new bike and then you have to buy a whole new crank set, that's expensive and you shouldn't have to do that. That's true. I think most of the women's models I'm seeing nowadays are coming with that 170. Um, so that's, that's good. That fits, you know, the average, <laughs> average woman that'll work. Um, and again, you know, that fork tune, like I'm just I'm super excited to see more and more brands having um, this option, you know, because again, me, I'm selfish. I, I only weigh 100 pounds, but I want more travel, right? I don't want to be stuck on, um, you know, a 100 millimeter fork cross country bike just because that bike fits me or it works for me because I'm light. So, you know, you can definitely, if you, if you have a bike right now and you, and you're lighter, you try lowering the air pressure in your fork, but then you're operating it at this extreme end of the range where, where you're going kind of back and forth and not getting the full compression or, or you're going to blow out your fork because you're at the minimum volume. So, you know, let that be in the hands of the professionals. Somebody that knows about fork suspension i don't know very much about what goes on, on the <laughs> but you innards. know when it's not right right you, i know you when get it's on a bike right. and you're like this this isn't scary or it's yeah it's just not fun 
Right. I mean, I know like I've changed all the levers, turned all the knobs on the <laughs> suspension and like have gotten, you know, myself into kind of scary situations where that air pressure has been way too low. So to be able to get on a bike that has the fork dialed for, you know, my weight, that's pretty awesome feature. And then, you know, again, back to the touch points, like the saddles, I wish that um, you could test saddles like you could test mountain bikes too because a lot even, of shops are doing that now oh, actually yeah? yeah um that was in our four tips for making a more comfortable bike uh i guess a lot of bike shops you pay you put down like a deposit and then they let you try different saddles you come in and swap it out and then once you decide on which one you want they put that deposit toward the saddle awesome right yeah because i mean just because it's a, a women's saddle doesn't again you know doesn't necessarily mean it's for all women it might not be all that comfortable right it might still be a little bit too narrow or you want something a little bit lighter so that's definitely one of those comfort factors and personal um, things to, to yeah. look at. Yeah. I know some men too prefer women's saddles because again, it's not, it, it, I mean, part of it is anatomical, I guess, but you know, a lot of it is just about the size of your sit bones and how they're situated. And, you know, WTB has the diva, uh, which is like a female sounding name. And I think it was designed to target women, but I know men who run that saddle and they love it. It's a good fit for them. Cool. And then, you know, again, last on components, right? Like I would just say you should get what you can afford because reliable components can mean, you know, more efficient riding and less maintenance overall. Um, so if you're starting out, you know, more gears aren't better, right? Remember when the bikes used to have, you know, three by nine, I guess. 27 yeah, speeds. Yeah, 27. That, that's a lot of speeds. Like, you know, more gears aren't better. That's just more mechanical parts to worry about, more weight too, right? Because, you know, if you are that average woman and you're lighter, you're in that 100 pound frame, um, range like I am, you don't have to carry all that extra weight if you're, if you're not going to use all those gears. And, you know, honestly, you don't need all those. Yeah, gears. your bike weight to body weight ratio is, yeah. That's, yeah, it's basically makes a big just difference. sucking the power carrying <laughs> around some extra stuff you don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of weight, uh, what do you look for? I mean, is, is that really important to you? Do you go for the lightest bike you can afford? Yeah. Well, you know, weight is really going to depend on what kind of riding you like to do. Um, and you know, let's be honest, your, your overall fitness, right? Component weight is going to add up, right? Like those extra gears. If you're, you, you're on one of those entry level bikes, but if you're kind of specking your own bike or you're you're upgrading it to make it more woman friendly i wouldn't shy away from the extra weight of a dropper post if if you want to go and get rowdy right like that's you know just part of having to balance how much fun you want to have versus like oh you know or, or some grams here and there um really gonna weigh me down um and i but i wouldn't recommend you know like plus tires if you are a lighter rider. I mean, I know I've ridden a couple of plus bikes and, and you know, all the things are true. Yes, confidence inspiring. You can roll over lots of things. That 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 may be true, but, um, you know, it's, it's an, an exorbitant amount of weight to be carrying around, in, in my opinion, right? Especially yeah. when, when a lot of... Um, bikes and frames these days now you can you can fit like a big 
2.6 inch tire in there now and i think i think that's you know that's kind of a i don't know is that a new width i i personally like that width you know 2.3 is great too um yeah that's a trend and like you said and like we keep saying every woman is different and so just because you don't want to trade off uh or you don't really need that extra confidence uh, that you would get from a plus tire, you'd rather have a little bit of weight savings. There's just as many women that do want something, you know, they're not confident in their technical skills. And so they would prefer to have a wider tire that maybe weighs a little bit more. So again, it's just like, it's just like men, you know, we, we get to decide like, what are we willing to trade off? What's our riding style? And that's how we pick bikes. Guess what? Women pick bikes the same exact way. It's true, right? The the twenty niners, right? Most bikes now you can almost like easily flip flop between a plus and a twenty nine, and and I'm gonna guess I haven't done it, but on on one bike, I mean, but I would guess that the there's more weight in that twenty seven five plus compared to the twenty nine, right? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, it's a good I don't question. Know. I haven't yeah. I don't have done a, a bike where I have to switch testing, but, but yeah, it's interesting. Somebody go and measure weigh it out. For yeah, them, it's hard. I guess you'd have to do it like the same model of tire, right? And then the same hub and spoke construction. It would be hard to compare, but maybe you could just do it by volume. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. So, what about color? How do you pick? What's your favorite color? Oh, I like all the colors. Like I wish you know there are all these colors out there: orange, like you mentioned, turquoise. But I wish someone would make like a rainbow bike. I would. I would totally. <laughs> right. There that. you go. Right. But you know, I mean, colors trend like the seasons. That's like one cool thing about my mountain biking is that there's there's plenty of styles, there's plenty of colors to choose from, down to even like customizing your stem caps, right? Like didn't we see like there's an add on single tracks, guys, with the donuts. The donut, yeah. yeah. Everybody um, wants that. Do- <laughs> so customizing um with the colors on your stem caps and your pedals and just everywhere. I mean, I could almost make a rainbow bike myself, but I mean like the frame, like I, I I want the whole, (laughs) the whole range of the colors, the Roy G. Biv, starting from the front to the, Oh, like a fade. Well, but here's the question. Is there a certain color of bike that, you know, if you saw a bike that was just completely pink or like pink and purple, would you, shy away from that would you be like eh. personally yeah I, I don't i don't know like my daughter want likes that i mean i say my our daughter likes <laughs> purple and pink stuff and that's just like fine that's her style but right. but like i would never ride for example a yellow bike like that's just gross <laughs> to me i don't know why it looks like a taxi cab or something but like so i have the same deal right like i wouldn't buy a yellow bike you wouldn't buy a pink one but like Paul, my friend Paul rides a yellow bike and he likes it. So like, that's cool. Just like Leah, you probably have friends who ride pink bikes yeah. who are women and they like it. It's cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, I would hate to be the brand to have to pick the bike color, right? Because like you said earlier, a lot of people are going to like, oh man, now the XYZ bike is yellow this year god was all i really <laughs> wanted to wait for the upgrade the upgrade yeah. package is awesome but i just that's not me like should i go paint it like yeah. that's a lot of trouble i'm um, totally i'll admit it like i bought 
my first real mountain bike, the Trek 7000, it was green and I loved that color. Like that, I mean, basically it was like I was a just Ninja like, Turtle bike. It was like it Ninja like Turtle green. Ninja it was green and yellow actually. <laughs> now that I think about it, it had yellow highlights, like a yellow fork, but I literally went into the bike shop and was like, I want to buy this bike. And then the salesperson was like, yeah, that's a good bike, but like you're tall and you know, there's this other bike. I think it was like a specialized or something. He's like, this one would probably fit you better. And you know, I sat on it and I was like, eh, it's not green. And I ended up buying the green bike <laughs> and you know, and even today, uh, you know what? Last fall I rode the Nomad and the Bronson, uh, you know, two great Santa Cruz bikes. I loved both of them, both of them out. They were my favorite bikes I had ridden like all year, but the paint on both of them like really turned me off. Like Wait, the, you talking about the new 2019 ones? No, because, no. Because one of them is purple. Okay. So, could, um, yeah. You yeah. Can probably well, my friend Paul that. that has a yellow bike has a purple bike now too. It <laughs> actually looks really cool. But, but yeah, it was like a tan. One of them was tan color. Oh, like, I, I was just like, that. I can't buy a was, tan was... bike. That's gross. And then, yeah, there's a, <laughs> like a weird off blue green thing that for was the it, Bronson or jam, the Nomad. Huh? I don't remember. Yeah, but... But yeah, it like really took those bikes down a peg for me. So, sorry, Jeff. Sorry, you did not approve of the color choices for Santa Cruz. Yeah, but then black bikes are boring. Anyway, we're talking a lot about colors. So let's take a break real quick to hear from our sponsors. But when we get back, we'll what are we doing? Oh. Talk about okay. Three, two, one. We'll talk about some specific women's bike. Uh, three two one we'll talk about some specific women's mountain bike models and brands and we'll also offer some advice for men who might be buying a bike for their female partner stay tuned steo is a brand mountain bikers may not be familiar with yet but the company's mission of designing technical functional products infused with mountain soul is one i think all of us can appreciate I tested the Steo OPR shorts this spring and found they vented really well. Yet, looking at the shorts, you probably wouldn't even notice the vents designed to open when pedaling or the strategic laser cutouts. And that's the point. Their products are designed for epic and everyday moments. Head over to steocom slash singletracks to check out their entire pedal collection. That's S-T-I-O dot com backslash singletracks. Okay, Leah. A lot of our listeners and readers are men. Obviously, mountain biking tends to attract a lot more men than women. So let's talk to the men for a minute here. What advice do you have for men who are buying a bike for their female partner? Um, so the biggest piece of advice I can give is to talk to your lady. Guys, don't be afraid <laughs> to ask her for her input, right? She may not want to be all like matchy matchy with your bike like just because you got a santa cruz bronson doesn't mean i want a santa cruz bronson but um actually i i might but <laughs> even you know she you might want to buy a bike for her or help her buy a bike that that you like because maybe you secretly want to ride it but you know that's not gonna be cool with your yeah with your female i feel like too some guys will like buy a bike for their, you know, lady partner, either like for like as a surprise, right. They might just be like, Ta-da, like I got you a bike oh, kind of thing. And that 
that just seems like a bad idea. I mean, you yeah. pr- in your mind, it's probably like, oh, this is really romantic. And, you know, she'll love the surprise. But no, it's a no. serious thing. I mean, it's like a like a wedding ring. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like most guys, they wouldn't just like pick out a wedding ring and surprise. Yeah, well, I mean, bike buying is a process. Shopping for engagement rings, that's a, that's a process, right? You have to kind of live with this bike for a long yeah, time. It's, it's like an investment. So they, they should really be involved, right? So you know, accompany, accompany her to some demo events um, or line up some rental bikes. You know, you can still do your romantic weekend getaway or whatever, but like line up some different kinds of bikes that you think that she might like to do because you hopefully know what kind of rides she likes to do. Or if you're going to be riding the same kinds of trails, you know, you might want to go with a similar style bike as yours but also you know money's no object right just like the the diamond ring if you were gonna buy like make sure you yeah. don't just buy her that entry level bike yeah. because well she's a beginner and want to spend a lot of money on it right because she's she's not gonna have a great experience if she's constantly fiddling with how do you set this thing up and this just isn't working for me or these tires suck right i mean Demoing is really, really the key before you, before anybody goes out and buys a bike. Yeah. Try it, please. Please try it on a trail. I'm glad you mentioned that about, you know, cheaping out and getting a budget bike. I feel like that's like the second biggest mistake, or maybe it's the biggest second to just, you know, surprising someone with a bike. But I feel like a lot of men, um, you know, they've got their bike that's like all high end and, you know, it's got everything they want. And then they're like, uh, I don't know if, you know, my lady friend is going to want to ride as much as me or she's not going to want to be as aggressive as me. So like, I'm just going to get this entry level bike or whatever, but you're setting that whole like relationship up for failure. Right. <laughs> and I'm talking about the, the rider to the bike relationship because she's going to ride that thing and just, it's not going to be as fun. Like you wouldn't want to ride that bike. So why would you think that someone else is going to want to ride that bike? So Again, if you really, truly want your partner to want to ride with you, then you need to get a decent bike for them and give them some input too. So that, you know, you're not walking up with like a downhill bike and they're like, like, what do I do with that? <laughs> Let's hear that the high pitched squeal, your women imitation again. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? No, don't do that again. Um, so... You know, we understand if you're you're on a budget. We're all on a budget. We all can't afford the new $4,000 carbon bike, right? So there's also, you can find great used bikes too, right? The older, the one year past model bikes, you could save, what was it, like 30? 45%. 40, 45%. And I don't know. I mean, I haven't done a lot of research, but I feel like there might be more used women's bikes out there because, again, some guy bought it. <laughs> As a surprise, and you know, his lady didn't friend didn't out. like it, or she went a couple times and was like, "No, this is not really for me." So, yeah, definitely used bikes uh, could be a good option. So, Leah, let's talk about some specific bikes. You recently had a chance to demo several high-end women's bikes in Pisgah. So, which bikes did you enjoy the most? Yeah, earlier this summer, I spent a weekend in Brevard at Rome Bike Fest. And I just have to talk about this festival for for a second, right? Because it's really um, the only women's mountain bike festival 
that there is. And, and the event itself was amazing. So there were 200 plus women from all around the country, actually like all around the world, right? Some folks from Canada drove all the way down. Um, I think there's some international people that flew in for the event too, but we were all having fun at one of the, the best mountain biking destinations in the world. Um, it was a super great weekend. Just so many bikes to demo, you know, women's models and just a great chance to meet other women. Um, there were tech clinics, um, bikes and bikes on bikes. It was just really laid back and, and super fun. So um, make sure, you know, guys mention this to your ladies. Ladies, go check out the calendar for when the next Rome Bike Fest is. It's a, it's a great opportunity to, to try some new bikes. Yeah, it's also really ironic. We wrote a story or Leah wrote a story about uh, the Rome Bike Fest and her experience there. And I don't remember what the title was. It was something provocative. And (laughs) one of the comments was like, oh, like, you know, basically like no fair men aren't allowed kind of thing. And I just was thinking like, yep, now you know how women feel about (laughs) bikes, you know, like over the years. I mean, it's getting better, but same thing, you know, women are like, hey, no fair. How come like the nomad is awesome, but there isn't an equivalent, although there is an equivalent now. So many bikes, so little time, Jeff. Um, I only got to ride like three or four different bikes because there was just so much going on at this festival. So I'll start with Ibis. I rode the Mojo 3, so that's their 140 millimeter trail bike. And this bike was so fun. Two things really stood out to me. So I really liked the 2.6 inch Maxxis Minion tires, right? Again with that 2.6 inch. It's right before getting into that plus zone, um, but not too much extra weight added on the bike. The Minions are the best tire. I mean, I don't know. I'm probably going to regret saying this because we're going to lose all of our advertisers. But but the, the Minions are, most people would agree, are the best tires. So... Yeah, and actually, I mean, I guess that was my first time riding that with and that specific tire. I was like getting some cool floatage in the turns. Like it was. (laughs) Yeah, it it hooks up so well and it's really consistent. And yeah, any bike that I've ridden with that, it like just elevates the bike and makes it feel better. So that was a, a definitely a highlight for that bike. And then just the super squish on this bike right 140 millimeter travel but you know what it i found this out later that the that the fork is a fox 34 i guess and all of the ibis bikes you can get this custom roxy tune so roxy low she's the designer of the ibis bike she's a female um and she's short and so they came up with you know, this totally makes sense to tune the fork for lighter riders. So the Ibis custom fork tune was a real highlight because I could get that full range out there at DuPont State Forest. And, you know, those are those are the epitome of like trail bike trails. So it was a great place to test that out. And here's Kay Hurtler from Ibis explaining a little bit more about the Roxy tune. Suspension wise, we actually offer a shock, um, not necessarily for women, but for lighter riders. It's called the Roxy Tune um, Shock. It's just a tune. And basically, it removes one of the spacers inside. So it allows you to get 
you don't have to worry about your shock being too hard for you. You, you know, lighter riders up to about 135, 140 pounds, um, they have a specific shock that we offer. So one of the bigger brands that you got to test was a bike from Specialized and you actually got on the new Stump Jumper before me, which is a little unfair because I was really excited about that bike. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what did you think about the Stump Jumper? Yeah, so the 2019 Stump Jumper, I was I was definitely excited to give this one a try and, and see, you know, is it is it all hype? Um, but really the best word I could think to describe the stump jumper was that it's it's playful. I mean, it was a very fun bike to ride. Um, I rode it on some of the trails there at, around the rebranch and and even like the pump track. This bike is just fun to jump and like do pretty much everything. That's interesting too because you know in years past I would not describe many if any bikes from specialized as playful or fun but <laughs> so this is a big this is a big departure for them too which is kind of exciting yeah and you know so sticking with the specialized brand you you can get like a myriad of choices for the stump jumper right it's it's kind of confusing but they have like a long travel long travel option that's the 150 millimeter fork and then a short travel 130 right and you got the two different wheel size 27.5 and 29 and then and then you can go carbon you can go alloy you can go s works you can go comp and expert and then women's and men's right and so whatever that is it's like 247 different combinations or whatever but there's there's a lot of combinations for um for kind of every budget and every size and every and every wheel size really there's even different colors too right or are the colors based on the options because i know there's like a iridescent like purple green one that like really looks awesome but i feel like they have like a dozen different colors oh on yeah it too. there's kind of a minty turquoisey kind of color there's kind of like a creamy white the 29er was one that i rode and and then you know you can't go wrong with with black, there's like a glossy, shiny, super slick Ooh, black. Glossy. I like glossy paint on bike. And, of course, there's specialized red. Oh, yes. I'm sure that's in there somewhere. Um, but on the women's model, so that's specced with a, you know, it's got a women's saddle and grips. It's got narrow, narrower bars. Um, and also, they, they do the lighter suspension tune as well. So that's... That's pretty awesome. And I talked with Nadia Carroll. She's a composite development engineer at Specialized about this whole revamp. And it's really interesting. Here's what she had to say. So I can't say we designed it in women with women in mind, but probably not with men in mind either. Like we really try to think about the rider. And so with that, like we work really hard, like the engineers in the dungeon back at the office. Um, to get this first layup like super dialed and like make sure the bike is like hitting these stiffness targets we want and like we developed new stiffness tests for this bike specifically to like make sure it rode like we wanted it to and then we take that layup and we say oh hey this is medium we have medium riders and medium load inputs and then you go to a small you have a smaller rider less weight the bike is already like geometrically stiffer so we take some stuff out we make it a little lighter we make it so that your ride on a small is the same as my ride on a medium, is the same as some burly football players ride on an XL. 
And so they get more stuff and you get less stuff and then everybody should be having the same amount of fun on their bike. It's rider first engineering right there. All right, next up on your test list was a bike from Pivot. Which bike did you get to ride? All right, I've been a Pivot fangirl for, for like a long, long time. Um, you know, mainly because they their bikes have just like super low standover. They've like always made, or as long as I can remember, had an extra small size frame that, you know, would fit riders like me up to five feet tall or maybe even a, a couple inches shorter. Um, so I loved riding, you know, previously the Mach 4. Um, and another trail bike that I, you know, would have liked to spend more time on was the, the Mach 5.5. So here's Pause Chinchilla to tell you a little bit more about that bike. Mach 5.5 Carbon. It's a 160 in the front, 140 in the back. About 5.5 inches of suspension. Um, it's a bike that you can travel the world with. Like, you can go and do Pisgah Forest and do the most rowdy technical trails there. Um, and also, like, come here to DuPont and do more, like, the flowy, not-so-techy stuff, and you will have fun. Um, it comes with a 30-millimeter uh, rim and 2.6 tires, which is kind of cool because it's not, you know, it's not your normal mountain bike tire, 2, 3, 2, 4. Um, or it's not a plus, it's kind of like right in between. So it gives you the perfect amount of grip and also you don't feel like you're dragging so much when you're climbing. All right, another brand that you got to test is Norco. And I feel like we don't write enough about Norco. I mean, it's a, it's a huge brand, especially in Canada, and they have a lot of different bikes. So what did you find about their women's or slash smaller bike offerings? Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't, didn't spend a lengthy amount of time on uh, the Norcos other than just kind of sizing them up, right? So they, they do have models that will go down to extra small and extra, extra small even, um, right? And like you said, it's definitely not popular like here in the Southeast, but in Canada, they're, they're, they're really um, well known. But I think that uh, they showed up on our budget women's bike picks for their charger. That's their uh, recreational hardtail. And they just have like a really good selection um, for value on, on women's bikes all the way up to their like their all mountain bike, the site. So if you haven't heard of the Norco brand, here's Cleve Blackwell, the independent rep for the Southeast to fill you in. You go to Canada, you would, um, everyone knows what Norco, they're, you know, one of the top two brands in Canada, developed and engineered um, in British Columbia. So the story of British Columbia, everybody knows about Whistler, Squamish, BC. Um, so our developers, our engineers are highly, um, the rad dudes that you see on the videos. So they, um, they love to make great bikes. They love to make great bikes. You know, in the U.S., it's went west coast to east coast, spotty, and there, we've we've got demo drivers. We're doing demo tours on east coast and west coast, um, so we're really getting the brand out there. There's um, great dealers coming on every day. You know, always can find a great dealer throughout the southeast, and it, the brand is growing, and it's um, an exciting time to be a part of Norco. Well, earlier on, you mentioned Live as being the only brand that has women's specific geometry on their bikes. A lot of other companies, 
Uh, they, you know, basically just use the same geometry for women and men's bikes, which is a valid approach as well. Uh, but Liv does specific women's geometry. What did you find out about Liv during the Rome Fest? Yeah, well, of course, we couldn't, you know, talk about women's bikes without mentioning Liv. I mean, they've just done a lot for women in cycling, for women in this sport over the years. Um, I've seen a ton of women on Liv bikes at the Rome Festival and just, you know, kind of in general, all, all over the place. Um, and like we heard earlier, they really pay attention to women's fit and, and they want to deliver this complete package of bike for women. Um, they have like the Embolden, which is their entry level full suspension mountain bike, um, the Peak, their cross-country trail bike, and the Hail, which is their long travel enduro bike. So, you know, it's really nice that they, it's it's really very clear, like, where you should fit in it. Just, they just make it pretty simple to find a bike that fits your style. And I tried the Hail. I mean, I didn't know if I was an enduro girl or not. <laughs> um, and so I tried this enduro bike, and, you, you know, the geometry was, was noticeably different, and... This might be from the fact that, you know, I just hopped off a bunch of different trail bikes because um, that's kind of more my jam. Or I didn't know if that was more the women's specific geometry, right? Like, so the standover and reach, like we talked about, they, they were dead on. But something else was very different for me that I, um, you know, wanted to spend a little bit more time on other enduro bikes just to see... Uh, kind of the difference there but you know either way live is definitely a brand um you know on my short list to check out if if you're you know a smaller rider and if, and if you're looking for a good value right so they really put you can get a pretty good component package on a live bike for your money okay finally one more brand that we've kind of mentioned but that wasn't at rome fest is juliana and juliana is santa cruz ziz sister bike company so what's juliana's deal yeah yeah we we always talk about santa cruz um so if you're a fan of santa cruz you know juliana is they're they're like the twin sister bikes to some of the popular models right the the nomad the bronson 5010 and i think the tall boy is um that last one but they they really are you know twin bikes um, as far as like the geometry goes. The geometry is one for one on all of those bikes. But with Juliana, you'll get, you know, you'll get the different color schemes. Um, you'll get those women's touch points, the saddle, the grips, again, key there, and, and that lighter shock tune, right? You definitely want to have that if you're lighter. And Juliana, the Juliana bikes, the Rubion and Furtado, they just got a whole new look for 2019. They've got some rebranding, some restyling with the brands and some different colors out there and some new geometry changes, right? It's We just wrote about the Bronson and the 5010 getting some upgrades. So you'll want to go and read about the details there. They're the same changes on the geometry of the bikes and the upgrades as Juliana. And then also though, what's really cool, and I, I believe this is true too for on the Santa Cruz side, but these bikes are now available in aluminum. So again, that puts this in a broader category of people to get into the Santa Cruz or the Juliana 
brand, right? So you can get an aluminum bike for like, I think the Furtado is starts around 2,700, right? Before you were looking at having to spend like $4,000 on a Santa Cruz. So definitely more accessible to more people. But also heavier, the the men's bike at least. Oh my goodness. The entry level Bronson, I believe is like 34 pounds. Oh boy. That's a lot of bike to push around. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a lot of bike. But, you know, $2,700, that's still a lot of money. But, you know, from my experience with Santa Cruz brand, you you get what you pay for, right? You get that lifetime frame warranty. So, you know, money well spent. You got a blur a long time ago, right? Like 2000. Oh, I still have that bike. Yeah, we still got the blur. uh, But. Yeah, Leah's been riding Santa Cruz for a long time. And part of the reason you chose that bike, I guess that was like 2002, oh, 2003. Yeah. It was a long I mean, that's like 15 years ago. But the reason you chose it is because the, the sizing was right. There weren't a lot of small, full right. suspension it was, I bikes. I believe it was like, I don't know if it was the whole line of Santa Cruz bikes, but it was like the first extra small blur that they made. Yeah, and now the blur is back. Oh, it's back. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Well, cool. This has been really interesting to me, uh, especially because this is a topic I feel like that um, people don't talk about for various reasons, that it's either because it's controversial or they're going to offend somebody or whatever, but I'm glad we had this discussion and uh, got to understand a little bit more about the different approaches to women's mountain bikes. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more bikes. We can go on and on um, on this list. And, you know, just just 10 years ago, we probably wouldn't have had this many bikes uh, to talk about. So, you know, you can always go on to single tracks and look at some of the past articles on women's bikes. We do some roundups and other recommendations there. Absolutely. And if you're enjoying the single tracks podcast, be sure to rate us in the Apple podcast app or your Android podcast app, however you're listening to us. Or if you found us through Facebook, go ahead and give us a like. That's all we've got this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace. Peace to you lady shredders too. (laughs)